Leaders in Worship Podcast, Episode 19. Welcome to the Leaders in Worship Podcast, the podcast to equip, connect, and develop leaders in worship ministry. We do this by equipping leaders in worship ministry with the right tools, connecting them with like-minded people and vision, and developing their ability to lead effectively. Well, my name is Matt Perkins, and I'm your host for the Leaders in Worship podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. Today we are talking about winning takes care of everything. Really? Is this possible? Winning takes care of everything. Obviously what we are talking about is the Nike ad that was just released the day after Tiger Woods won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He regained the number one ranking in the world for golf. And over the picture of him, they have the words, winning takes care of everything. Obviously, this created a firestorm in social media, traditional media, uh, people looking back and referencing the breakup of his marriage and just the moral collapse that happened during that time that we saw played out in the media all over the world. And so we're going to talk about Winning takes care of everything. How that relates in the local church. Has that mindset gotten into the local church that winning takes care of everything? Before we get to our main topic, I want to talk about our Easter services this past weekend. Um, Around the world, this is the largest attended service of the year. And there are many people who that is the service that they attend. They might not attend the rest of the year, but they're going to come on Easter. And it's our opportunity, our chance to really be concise, clear on the message of Jesus Christ on that day and what he did on Calvary. So when we come out of Easter service, if that was one of the best days, maybe it was a difficult day for you technically or worship, whatever it might be, it's important that we evaluate how that day went and discuss how we can improve on it the next time. There's a book that I want to recommend to you, and you can find this in the show notes at leadersinworship.com slash 019, and the book is called Game Storming. Uh, You can find this uh, with the link in the show notes. And you can find this on Kindle as well as a paperback book, Game Storming. There is an exercise that we used prior to our conference for a worship conference that we just had. And there's an exercise in there called pre-mortem. And I had a couple people, I had referenced it at the conference, and a couple people had asked me about this. And so I just wanted to talk briefly about this exercise Most of the time, when you come off a big event, you talk about maybe what went right for a couple minutes, and then you talk about, okay, 
what were the things that went wrong? We can't let this happen again. And we do a post-mortem and exercise talking about what went wrong, how we can avoid that. But look at if you were to do a pre-mortem and the questions you're asking in that brainstorming session is what will go wrong and how will this end in disaster? Now you might look at it and say, why would I even want to do that? Why would I want to ask those questions? Well, it's very important. We did this for the conference and it was so helpful. We had a four by eight whiteboard. We got our our worship arts and media staff together and began talking about what would really derail this conference, what would make it less than ideal. And we started just throwing out ideas all over the place. What if uh, the doors weren't unlocked and custodial didn't unlock the doors? That would be bad. People didn't have the right signage for where to park or where to register. We started going through everything that could happen that would make it less than ideal. And we filled up a 4 by 8 whiteboard with information um, if the artists didn't show up um, or if they were late. What would happen if we had an issue with their hotel reservations or so many things that we just began to throw out. Then after we finished that, we went through item by item and we talked about, okay, why will this not happen? Well, because this person is over transportation or this person is taking care of the hotel reservations and make sure that everything is covered with that. Uh, this person is working with our custodial team and making sure that the doors are unlocked at the proper time. And we began to cross everything off the list and we would assign a name by it of who owns this project, who is taking care of this. And this was such a huge help. And so I want to encourage you, this book is over 250 pages. It has exercises on every page that you can do with your team uh, for different things if you're looking to strategize, uh, if you're wanting to do uh, focus on future events, if there are things that previously happened, uh, whatever it is, you can find it in this book. So the book is called Game Storming, and you can find that on our website and a link to there. Well, let's go into our topic for today, Winning Takes Care of Everything. You know, when Tiger Woods had his marriage kind of unraveled in front of the world and it came out that he was having um, multiple relationships and it was just a moral collapse, he took time out of golf and now he's back winning and regained his number one spot in the world in the game of golf. Well, when Nike released this ad that says winning takes care of everything, there was a firestorm. People were upset. They were saying, this is uh, absolutely no class. Nike, why did you do this? A Nike spokesperson had defended this, um, according to ABC News, and I'm quoting a few things from an article on Forbes.com. 
and you can find the link to that article in the show notes. But this spokesperson for Nike said, Tiger always said he competes to win. When asked about his goals and getting back to number one, he said, consistently, winning is the way to get there. And that statement references the sentiment and is a salute to his athletic performance. USA Today, they write, This is another case of Nike being Nike. This tagline will reinforce both people who support Tiger or are put off by him. For some people, this will be seen as just another case of an athlete who doesn't understand how big a part of society views what he has done. Now, this is ironic. While... Tiger Woods annually tops many polls as the most popular golfer among golf fans. He also ranks high on Forbes' list of America's most disliked athletes. Wow. As shocking as we think this ad by Nike is, our society has a way of buying into this. As long as you're winning, everything behind the scenes Everything um, that people can't view, as long as you are on top, as long as you are winning at whatever it is, then the rest of the details don't matter. They celebrate the champion. They celebrate all the things that when they, they see them hold up the trophy for a Super Bowl or for the NBA championship, they cheer, they yell for this, and they get excited. But what happens when we bring this line of thinking into the local church, that winning takes care of everything? You know, it's happened, and we've seen it many times, where a pastor, maybe of a a large church, has an issue or a failing, and because he was quote-unquote larger than life, the attendance was strong at his church, he's this huge figure He steps back into his pulpit and is given a standing ovation. That is completely unbelievable that this would happen. I remember a a few years ago there was a uh, dispute between a pastor and his wife, and he had actually was charged in a domestic violence case against his wife and had hit her in a parking garage, and it it was just crazy. And he walks back into church the next Sunday and was giving a standing ovation. That is how far we have let our mind um, be skewed and altered by society. That we many times do feel winning takes care of everything. And we have to go back to the root. We have to go back to square one. And we have to ask ourselves, what is winning? As a leader, you need to ask yourself, what is winning? On your worship teams, what is a success? What is winning to you? Uh, We tend to think that crowds equal success. Uh, Great music and a great band equals a successful music or worship program. Great soloists with a very cool, hip look means that we're relevant. We record our own songs, so that makes us successful. That makes us cool. Just coming through this Easter weekend, 
I always find it interesting uh, on Sunday afternoon or evening and then into Monday and Tuesday, just watch on social media and see what many pastors reference or tweet about in references to their Easter services. We can't allow the world's view of winning distort our view in the local church. We can't sell out our team for one individual's talent. It's not worth bringing a head case into your team that will cause disruption. Vince Lombardi, the legendary football coach, and he would give his speech every year at the beginning of the football season. All the players knew that this team meeting was going to happen, and this first team meeting of the year, the legendary coach, he would waste no time getting straight to the point. Uh, Many of the men, they would be half Lombardi's age and twice his size, and they were fearful of him and uh, dreading this encounter. But here's what the coach did, and, and many of you might already know this and have heard this many times. With the football in his hand, Vince Lombardi walked in front of the room and he took his time and he looked over the team without saying anything. Then he held out the football in front of him and said, gentlemen, this is a football. The story goes that Lombardi stressed the fundamentals in that team meeting and after holding up the football, just like they had never seen one before in their life, he would take the team out and he would show them the field. He would point out the out-of-bound lines and the end zone, and then remind the players that the football is to go across the end zone. Now we can look at this and say, boy, that is so elementary, that is so fundamental, square one, Why, why would we do that? Is it important? Well, here's why it is important in ministry that we do this. It's important in our worship teams that we go back to square one and we evaluate what is the motivating factor? What is our motives in doing what we do? Is it to have a cool sound? No, it can't be that that is our focus, that that is our motivation is to have hip, cool music. We are there to reach people for Christ. We are there to support the vision of our senior pastor so that he is able to communicate a message effectively. So how do you build a team for the long haul? We're just going to go through, I'm going to give you three steps that we can use to build a team for the long haul and go back and redefine what success is. First, you have to have clarity. You have to focus on the goal. Not only do we focus that within ourselves, but we need to, as leaders, we need to be talking with the senior leadership of the church. However, your governmental structure and who you report to in your staff setting or your church setting, if that's a senior pastor, if it's an executive pastor, if it's a board of elders, Whatever it is, you need to focus on the goal. Make sure you understand that and have clarity with that. Secondly, you need unity on your team. 
Now, unity doesn't mean that there won't be disagreements from time to time, but you have to go back and have clarity, focus on the goal, and know that the team is rallying around that goal, laying aside the personal agendas, laying aside egos. Psalm 133, verse 1 through 3, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment on the head that ran down on the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. couple things just out of this passage. When you dwell in unity, there's anointing. That anointing will always run from the top down, and uh, you need to get under your leadership. You need to be supportive of the leadership, not trying to go against the leadership that you serve under, and that anointing will bring the blessing. So we have clarity. We focus on the goal. You need to have unity within your team. And third, you need community. You need to do life together with your team. Depending upon the area that you live in, whether it's a rural or an urban area, the lifestyle, um, it could be a commuter city or a suburb or um, more in the country, that may dictate how easy or difficult it is to get together and just have community and be in community with your team. But you need to find ways to develop community. For us, uh, we've had different events from, from time to time where we'll have outings together. But a lot of the time that we have community is in our rehearsals. We'll do a monthly birthday celebration, and we celebrate all the birthdays from that month, and people will bring in food. And in our setting, in our church, it's a very diverse background. We have people from all over the world that are a part of our church and a part of our ministry. And so we have some that are from Jamaica, and they'll bring some food that is representative of their culture and um, a large portion of our church. And our ministry is Spanish, and so we'll have different things that represent that. For Easter Sunday, one of the things that we did was uh, they had coffee, and and we had great Spanish coffee. I love Spanish food, Spanish coffee. It is incredible. And so those times, we would just hang out. And when we weren't on the platform or in between service, we had uh, multiple services this weekend. So when we had some downtime, we hung out as a team. We talked, we laughed, we had a great time together and had community. You can't shortcut the process in trying to develop a team that will last for the long haul. It will take time, but you need to work at it and know what the goal is. The goal is not to just do something that will produce quick results, but will have no depth or no foundation to support it. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things 
there is no law. That is a definition. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Evidence of bad fruit, jealousy, envy, strife, backbiting, people getting frustrated. What is your ministry producing, and what do you want it to produce? A couple of the final thoughts in looking at this. We need to seek excellence in all that we do, but know that excellence is different than anointing. It's not a one or the other. You need both. We need excellence and anointing. We need to combine those those two. So seek excellence, but know that excellence is different than anointing. Secondly, place people ahead of programs. And thirdly, don't be careless with the favor of God that's on your life. God has entrusted you with people in ministry that you might be leading, or God has placed you in a ministry where you are you are serving that leadership of the church. Maybe you are on a worship team and you're serving the leadership of that ministry. Don't be careless with the favor of God that's on your life. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So in our lives, in our ministry, we have to look at having a different view than the world. The world looks at it and says, hey, as long as you are um, producing results, it doesn't matter how you get from point A to point B, just make sure that you get there. And we need to take a approach in ministry, making sure that we are operating by God's standards, not the world. Yes, I think it's incredible. You need to have excellent music. You need to do everything you can that you are producing great music, great worship, things that will challenge people in their faith, challenge people in the lyrics of the songs that you sing. They will challenge people to be open and receiving what the message is. We want those things, but we can't do that at the expense of just saying, well, this is a great soloist, and even though they're not living a life that really is even representative of a Christian, we're going to throw them up there anyway and just go ahead and let them let them lead this. We need to make sure that we are knowing who we are laboring with, know who we are ministering with, have clarity, have focus, have unity, and have community. Those are three things that will help you build a winning team by God's standards that will last for the long haul. Well, I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders in Worship podcast. And as always, leave us a comment, leave us some feedback. You can do that right on our website at leadersinworship.com. And you can leave us a voicemail right on the website using SpeakPipe. You can also leave us a comment. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash leadersinworship. We would love to hear from you. You can email us, feedback at leadersinworship.com. Well, I hope that you have an incredible 
week of ministry. Don't forget to check out that book, Game Storming, and you can find that on our website. But have an incredible week of ministry, and God bless.